0: Manila Bay's exposure to rapid urbanization has necessitated its need for rehabilitation. In this B-Side episode, Jerwin Baure, a marine science researcher and environmental activist, discusses with Business World reporter Sheldine Talavera how Manila Bay has changed over the years and how it could be restored. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Baure. Welcome to the B-Side podcast.
1: Thank you for uh, inviting me here.
0: So let's get right into into the topic. Um, Can you give us an overview of the biodiversity that resides in Manila Bay and how it has changed over the years? First of all, no, when we heard the word Manila Bay, uh, I think people would uh, associate it with like
1: pollution or like, you know, the plastic pollution and like people would think that Manila Bay is dead but I think people uh, do not realize that Manila Bay is actually a big body of water. Uh, It's not just the sea that's located in along the Ross Boulevard but actually Manila Bay is a big It's a big uh, body of water from the coast of Bataan, Pampanga, Bulacan, Metro Manila, and up to Cavite. And actually, Manila Bay has a lot of uh, thriving marine ecosystems. Like, there are still mangroves in Pampanga, Bulacan, even in Navotas, uh, Las Piñas, Paranaque, Cavite. And um, in uh, in the uh, boundaries of Manila Bay, like, Outer tap municipalities of Cavite, there are still coral reefs and seagrass ecosystems. So I think uh, we should uh, debunk the uh, false notion that Manila Bay is dead. It is still a uh, rich fishing ground, still uh, benefits from the bounty of, uh, of Manila Bay. There are still a lot of marine organisms found here, like crabs, fish, and other kinds of uh, marine ecosystems that can be
0: found in the country. So sir, speaking of mangroves, ever since the Dolomite Project came in, a lot of people are urging for mangrove rehabilitation. And I have seen some of your previous posts dati na you said that there's this basic protocols on how to properly plant mangroves. Can you share us po how it is done po?
1: So historically, there are like around five hundred thousand hectares of mangroves all over the country. But then, uh, starting the uh, the nineteen hundreds, uh, mangroves have started to decline because these have been converted to uh, fish ponds, especially way back in the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies, when uh, there's a booming industry for milkfish and prawns. So, and uh, the most suitable for. Uh, for milkfish and prawn aquaculture, is the mangrove areas. So, President Marcos has uh, implemented the so called fish fund agreement where mangroves are converted into fish funds. In order to yeah, in order to develop the aquaculture industry, but then as as the years went by, we've seen that uh, mangroves have been declining even without uh, the conversion into fish funds. and I think the government has started to implement this soap habilitation program during the term of President Duterte, but even before that, uh, the Supreme Court has uh, has issued uh, continuing mandamus wherein it ordered around thirty. Minutes government agencies to clean up Manila Bay and to rehabilitate it. And one way of doing that is, of course, to plant mangroves. Mm-hmm. However, we've seen that, unfortunately, the DNR and uh, other agencies like BIFAR, LGUs, and uh, and even uh, NGOs and corporations have been planting mangroves that do not follow the proper protocols. So first of all, uh, when when we plant mangroves, we have to to follow what we call because there are different species of mangroves like red mangrove. There are red mangroves or the rhizophora, black mangroves or the abyssinia. And uh, these mangrove species require different environmental conditions. And so uh, the most suitable mangroves for uh, for the seawards, for the zone nearest the sea are the black mangroves or abyssinia. In our local language, we call this apiapi or yeah, we call this apiapi. And um, red mangroves naman are what we call the rhizophora. And the local name for these mangroves are bakawan. And uh, the most suitable for air, for planting in zones Yes, the sea are the api api. And the bakawan are supposedly to be planted uh, uh, more inland. But the government has been practicing the planting of bakawan, even though it's not suitable for those areas. There are consequences, of course, because uh, the roots of uh, Bacawan cannot sustain really strong uh, strong waves during typhoons, and small Bacawan can be infested with barnacles, so they could easily die. So basically, that's a total waste of money because there's high mortality, whereas uh, if you plant the right species of mangroves, there's a high chance of survival. And also, we've also seen that sometimes... People who plant mangroves would, would plant in areas where there are already mangroves, and this causes a problem. Because in those areas where they plant mangroves, there are what we call pneumatophores or like specialized roots of mangroves. So these specialized roots look like sort of spears that grow upwards. When they dig the soil, they, they tend to hurt the roots of the mangroves. So, in a way, they, they are hurting mature mangroves.
0: Sir, itong api api, how could this specifically help restore Manila Bay and uh, layman's term?
1: Uh, mangroves are historically found all over Manila Bay. No? And uh, these trees can serve as like, nursery grounds for fish, they provide habitats for many species and they can also provide natural protection against storm surges and they can also improve the water quality because mangroves can filter out pollution coming from the land and also uh, they serve as habitats for migratory birds and they also capture carbon dioxide and store it underneath the soil. So as you see, mangroves have provide a lot of ecosystem services that can, that can benefit the environment and coastal communities. And uh, when it comes to um, the Rehabilitation of Manila Bay, of course, since it provides uh, habitats for, uh, for fish and birds, the, the restoration of mangrove will, uh encourage the fish would, would eventually return if we start to restore mangroves.
0: So with the rapid urbanization in the areas surrounding Manila Bay, you have domestic, commercial, and industrial activities. What can you tell us about the environmental and social impacts this has had on the Bay?
1: Urbanization has a lot of effects, no? like for example, pollution, especially plastic pollution. As you can see, our rivers, esteros, and even our coastal uh, areas have a lot of plastics, and of course, there other types of pollution like uh, residential, lexical pollution. So this increases the like bacterial load in our waters and could be unsafe for swimming. And uh, in recent years, we have observed that uh, another type of issue has uh, surfaced in the form of reclamation. So reclamation is like a process of uh, building land in the sea or like extending the coastline. In these reclaimed areas, uh, commercial or residence, residence will be built. And this can cause uh, a lot of social and environmental uh, impacts because reclamation would entail the destruction of existing marine ecosystems. And when marine ecosystems are destroyed, it will have a cascading effect on other members of the community like fish, birds, and it can also exacerbate uh, the impacts the hazards that are present in Manila on uh, land subsidence, liquefaction, or when the ground softens during the earthquake, so that's liquefaction. And also there's flooding that uh, Metro Manila experience every year. And, and also, um, it can also displace a lot of urban poor and fisherful communities in Manila Bay. It can cause the loss in the livelihood of a lot of fishermen. And uh, they say that uh, reclamation could help boost our economy like what has happened in Singapore, but, but then Singapore is different from the Philippines because the Philippines has a lot of, is experiencing a lot of natural uh, phenomenon like earthquakes, typhoons every year compared with Singapore. So we can't really compare it with Singapore. And also I, I've been to Singapore last year and I've seen that the waters in Singapore are not, that really good quality. like It's very turbid and a lot of the coastline of Singapore has has been covered with soil and I was able to hear a talk from a professor from the National University of Singapore and he said that his previous study site wherein there, there's a lot of corals previously has all been lost. And so even if they say that reclamation can boost the economy it is still at the expense of the environment and Of course, it will affect fish and our fisheries production and the
0: livelihood of a lot of people. Thank you for explaining to us uh, the basic of what reclamation really is. So, there are over 20 reclamation projects in the Bay which is surrounded by Metro Manila in the provinces of Bataan, Pampanga, Bulacan, and Cavite. So, in August... President Marcos has ordered a suspension of reclamation activities in Manila Bay, yet there are reports of ongoing projects. Why do you think reclamation continues despite this order?
1: I think uh, reclamation continues despite, and the verbal order of Marcos is that there's still no written executive order to uh, suspend this project. Like, yeah, and since uh, there's no written order, there's no legal effect on the verbal announcement. And even if the DNR keeps on saying that they are monitoring this, they are monitoring that, but during the Senate hearing, you would be surprised that the reclamation and dredging still continues in Manila Bay. So I think uh, the verbal order of Marcos does not have teeth. And I think it is really important that there's a written executive order to suspend reclamation projects in Manila Bay. And this written order would lay out the guidelines on which projects would be included in the suspension because the, the list of the Philippine Reclamation Authority is not complete because there are reclamation projects that are not listed by the PRA. So... Uh, through a written order, uh, there will be clear guidelines on which projects will be included and on how will such a uh, suspension order would be implemented.
0: Going back to what you mentioned earlier about the economic benefits, the Philippine Reclamation Authority has said that the 14 reclamation projects in Manila Bay that it has already approved would attract investments worth trillions of pesos. Is there a way to strike a balance between dispersive benefits and the need to protect the environment and the livelihoods in Manila Bay?
1: I think when, uh, when we discuss uh, the benefits, like the economic benefits of these reclamation projects, we also need to ask if who benefits from these projects. Will it be the private investors or will it really like the marginalized people? Because if reclamation and projects will continue, fisher folk will lose their livelihood, they will their communities, and um, the only people that will benefit will be the private investors, the big businesses, and the corporations. And even though, uh, like for example, corporation project proponents would say that they are going to hire people during the construction, they are going to hire people in their businesses, but then we also have to consider that the currently more system in the Philippines is Really anti-worker, because the average Filipino worker has a very low minimum wage, especially if, you, if your uh, educational attainment is not that high.
0: So now, turning to government efforts, how would you assess the initiatives or efforts made to restore Manila Bay? Before I answer that,
1: let Let's review the once again the history of uh, Manila Bay uh, rehabilitation. So, in the Supreme Court order DNR and other government agencies to, uh, to clean up, up Manila Bay in order to restore it and make it possible for swimming and other contact sports. And during the time of Duterte, um, they, they have started to do Clean up, also clean up, dredging of rivers, but then they also implemented uh, the Dolomite project, which has nothing to do with improving the water quality. And they, and under the term of the uh, a lot of reclamation projects have also started to be implemented. Like, for example, the Eratropolis project, where a lot of mangroves have been destroyed. And also, uh, during the term of the third and even until now, uh, there are a lot of uh, mangrove planting activities that. Do not even follow proper protocols when planting. And also during the time of the Duterte, mussel farmers like Tahong, Tahong farmers in Cavite and Navotas were ordered to dismantle their uh, mussel folks. The government claims that the bamboos are causing pollution when in fact they, are, they do not. And when uh, Marcos came to power, he appointed DNR Secretary. During in During uh, last year, August 2022, uh, we wrote a letter to the DNR to, to have a dialogue about the different reclamation projects because we expected that she would listen to us because, of course, she's a scientist and she's a ground in uh, disaster risk mm-hmm. reduction. But we were so disappointed that it took eight months before she was able to have a dialogue with us and in the months that that followed she ordered the community impact assessment which is good by the way but yeah uh, when it comes to the rehabilitation of uh, manila bay i think the dnr and i mean the government especially the dnr is rather slow and sometimes uh, they, they do not really uh they don't try to discipline the corporations that that will destroy our environment. And uh, I just hope that uh, they would become more serious in their mandate because they are being paid by taxpayers' money. So I hope that they would uh, prioritize the environment first before uh, advocating for reclamation projects.
0: Speaking of this cumulative impact assessment, what do you expect of the result of this study? Uh,
1: i expect that uh, the community impact assessment will of course include not just the environmental but also the social impacts because uh, the, the first people that will be affected the reclamation will be the fisher folk who will uh, like lose their livelihood and also i also expect that the Nr will also include other coastal development projects that are not listed by The Philippine Reclamation Authority, like the Bulacan Aerotropolis Project, it's not part of the PRA list, and they do not consider it as a reclamation project. But the truth is, uh, San Miguel Corporation is dumping soil in our coastal waters, so obviously it's a reclamation project. So I just hope that the DNR would be impartial and will be objective in their impact assessment.
0: Thank you, Mr. Bowery. It's clear that the situation in Manila Bay is complex and it will require a concerted effort from all stakeholders to ensure its sustainable future. To end this conversation, is there anything else you would like to highlight? When
1: we talk about Manila Bay Rehabilitation, the first thing that uh, the government must uh, prioritize is the, is the cleaning up. And the restoration of many marine ecosystems because, for example, the DNR's main mandate is to protect the environment. And under the continuing mandamus, they were ordered to prioritize the cleanup of Manila Bay. It's not uh, the development of the economy, it's not part of their mandate. So they shouldn't talk about developing the economy because their priority is obviously the environment. And yeah, I think, we should remind the government to be true to their mandate that they should prioritize the welfare of the people, the interests of the people, especially the, mar- the marginalized communities like the fisher folk are uh, the poorest among the poorest sectors in our country. And uh, whatever economic benefits, project proponents of reclamation projects promise must be weighed in with the negative impacts of such projects.
0: Mr. Bauda said planting mangroves can help rehabilitate and preserve Manila Bay. He also said it's important to discuss who benefits from the Bay's reclamation projects. This has been another B-Side episode. Subscribe now and enjoy a new episode every week.